Let's go to God in prayer. Most kind and most loving Heavenly Father, we pray, dear Lord, this evening that if there is someone struggling, someone hurting, uh, that they'll ask for our help. And we'll be in the position to be able to give it, Lord. Dear Lord, bless the hearts in this audience this evening that if there are some who need to obey the gospel, that they'll do so without delay. That if there are some who need to, who need to learn more about your word, Lord, and, and make the, the best decision of their lives, we hope, Lord, that we can provide that for them. If there are some, Lord, who are struggling and they, they need our help, that they'll ask. If there are some who have some secret sin, that they'll ask you for forgiveness and repent and, and, and go and sin no more. We hope, Lord, that this service, this message will make you happy. It's only you that we want to glorify and it's only you that we want to magnify and it's only you that we want to please. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Welcome. Uh, hey, I missed a lot of y'all this, this morning. I know that a lot of you were, were at Corinth or you were over at Burroughs Chapel or you were over at Clearview. There was a lot going on in our area this, this week. A lot of gospel meetings, a lot of preachers. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who's preaching at Clearview. Was it just a family day today? That was okay. All right. Well, Jeff Archie, he came by uh, just before our Bible class started this morning. We were in the office in there, and he hugged everybody's neck and said, Hey, let's have a gospel meeting. And we said, Well, I think you're supposed to be over at Corinth now, but we'll have you next year, you know? And so Jeff, Jeff Archie, he's a good fella. And so if you can, make it out uh, tonight and the rest of this week at 7 at the Corinth Congregation and uh, pr- uh, help, help, help promote that meeting and support that meeting and hug Jeff Archie's neck because he's, he's a good fellow and a friend of, friend of ours. And he will be here next year to hold our gospel meeting. So we look forward to that as well. Um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is the end of a, of a sermon series that we've, we've been having on, on leadership. Uh, this started because of the topics that were at the Horizons uh, leadership camp this past this past July, the first here around the first week of July, and um, we uh, learned in that particular particular uh, camp about the life of Jesus, his life, his business. Uh, he was 33 years old when he died, uh, approximately 33 years old when he died, and uh, this was the 33rd year of Horizon. So they married the two 33s and and uh, and and came up with this topic and this. It was a very good topic, and, and we, uh, we've been looking at the hands uh, of a leader. That was the first one that we, we started out with. This has been a Sunday night series, and this is the last of that series. We looked at the hands of a leader, that a, a leader will be about the work uh, of benevolence. They will be a leader, B-E-E. They, they will have the work of benevolence, the works of edification and evangelism. As a leader, as a Christian, we need to have the head of a leader, and we learned that we need to think like leaders and act like servants. That's what we learned about in that particular lesson. And then last week, we learned about the heart of a leader. That heart is where our intellect and our will and our emotions and our conscience lie, and we'll use our hearts as leaders 
to be a, a good leader. And last in this leadership series, what makes a leader successful? If your head is right and, and your heart is right, what your hands will do will be right, and you'll develop good and faithful habits. Okay? That's, that's the, the last lesson of this. These will help us in, in being a leader. Jesus and the habits of a leader. In today's passage, if you will, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. That's mainly where we'll be, and you'll want to put a bookmark there. I hope you have your Bible because we're going to be turning to other passages today as well. We're going to Luke chapter 4. In, in today's passage in Luke chapter 4, Jesus faces the devil in, in the classic showdown in the wilderness. Right after Jesus is baptized by John, he is tempted by the devil. Uh, so can you be. There's a, there are some here who are, who are new Christians. You've been newly baptized. And some of us older Christians, we've been, we've been Christians for a while. We understand that the devil is out for each and every one of us. Uh, a lot of us have, have come through some of those trials. Some have come through some of those, some of those tests. Some have come through a lot of temptations. And we understand that the devil is most, most, most definitely after each and every one of us. You new Christians, uh, he's after you. I always tell folks after I have the pleasure of baptizing them that right after Jesus was baptized, he was tempted of the devil. And so can you be. We've got to take that as a lesson. But we'll see from our text that Jesus formed a habit that made him that made him strong and it'll make us strong too okay it'll make us better leaders uh leaders in the congregation leaders in our homes leaders at school leaders on our jobs this is going to help us be a better leader if we'll formulate this this habit that uh, Jesus shows us here in our passage in Luke chapter 4 do Christians have problems oh yes we do have problems what can we do about our problems? Well, one of the things that we can do is develop good habits. Develop good habits for ourselves, develop good habits for our family, develop, help, help others develop good habits as well. Uh, a habit, according to the dictionary, a habit is a usual manner of behavior. A usual manner of behavior, such as most every day I wake up at 6 a.m. I don't care I'm just. I'm going to wake up at six. If I wake, if I woke up at five fifty-five and fell back asleep, I'd wake up at six. It seems like I don't know what it is about six a.m. But it, it's become a habit. I, I guess it's become a habit. Another definition is behave, a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition. You know, how do those golfers on on the pro golf tour? How do they consistently hit the ball well? Well, they've they've practiced and they've practiced and they've practiced. And their swing has become, uh, by repetition, it's become a habit. And so we understand that part of the definition as well. Uh, another definition of, of a habit is behavior that has become involuntary. Behavior that has become involuntary, like a nervous habit. Like some of you may have the nervous habit of, of chewing your fingernails. You know, when things go bad and things are going tough, you, the first thing that happens is the, that thumb or that finger comes to your mouth and you start chewing those fingernails. It's because it's become a, a nervous habit. It's the, it's the first thing that happens. Uh, number four, we understood, we understand that clothing can be a habit. And what I mean by that is we know that nuns wear what they call a, a habit. 
okay? And the fifth definition of, of habit is addiction, such as some people have an addiction to smoking, okay? Uh, some people have an addiction to drugs or they have an, have an addiction to alcohol, and the alcohol or the drugs or the smoking becomes a habit, to them. So we understand uh, the different ways that uh, habits enter our lives. Uh, the habit we learn about in our passage from Jesus, though, the habit that we learn about in our passage from Jesus sh- should be our unusual manner because we frequently exercise it. It should become involuntary to us. This, this habit that we're going to learn about from Jesus in Luke chapter 4, it should become involuntary to us. We should wear it. We shouldn't just... We shouldn't just know about it. We should put this habit on and be addicted to it. This is a habit that we need to be addicted to. Uh, and, and so in every sense of the word, of the word habit, uh, I, I believe that's, that's where we should be uh, in, in every definition of it. Turn in your Bibles. We're, we're starting with Luke chapter 4 beginning with verse, with verse 1. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2 here. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was, he was hungry. Just after Jesus was baptized, as we said, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And some versions, some versions say driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, you know, sometimes the changes in life are abrupt, aren't they? We, <laughs> we think things are going right along one way and then things change. I'm, I'm want to say this, I, 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 you can quote me, I think I might have coined this phrase, I'm not sure. But the only one you can count on is God and the only thing you can count on is change. I mean, really. You can count on God and you can count on change. Things are going to change and God is going to be there. But the, the, the changes in life, they're abrupt. And notice that Jesus was, was brought to the temptation. He never sought it. He never sought the temptation. He, he was brought to the temptation. God, God never tempts us. Uh, keep your finger in, in, here in Luke chapter 4. Turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So it's not, it's not God uh, that's tempting Jesus. It's not Jesus who ran toward a temptation. It's not the Holy Spirit that is tempting Jesus. He's driving him into the wilderness. But we're going to see who it is that tempts Jesus. Uh, God does not tempt us. He never tempts us, but he does test us. Look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 4. <clears throat> it says, Knowing, beloved brethren... Your election by God for our gospel did, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. God will test our hearts. He, He will put us to the test. 
but he will never, he will never tempt us. Uh, we have a Savior who understands all about temptation, though. Look over at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This is a, a, a very heartwarming passage to know. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse uh, 15. I'll start with verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a, a Savior. We have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was, who's been tempted just like we are, as we're going to see, yet he was without sin. Now, look at verse 3, Luke chapter 4 in verse 3. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. That word if, I've got it underlined there, that word if, it strikes at the faith of Jesus. The main sin here that Jesus, the the temptation that he might fall into is distrust, faithlessness, uh, curiosity. You know, the devil is, is, is telling him to change, you know, if you could do this, you, you'll have bread. You'll get something to eat. It's almost like a dare. I dare you to change this stone into bread almost. Curiosity is a temptation. Curiosity killed the cat, didn't it? Curiosity is, hey, it's dangerous. Hey, you know, I understand uh, if, if somebody wasn't curious about lightning, we wouldn't know how to harness lightning and we would never maybe have figured out how to turn the lights on and the, and the fans on. I mean, curiosity, God-given curiosity is good, but in the same token, just like there are good things on the Internet, there are bad things on the Internet too, aren't there? And, you know, you can get really curious with that mouse and you can find some things out that sh- you should not be in. You can get really curious with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You can get really curious with drugs and alcohol and, 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 and cigarettes. You can get very curious. And curiosity can get you in a lot of trouble too. And so the devil here, he's, he's using that little word if. If you are the son of God. He appealed to an impulse. You know, if you've ever walked into a grocery store and you've gone to pay at the end, there's all these things right here by you. You know, you can almost hardly get your buggy in to, to, to put everything up because there's so many things right in there by you and they want you to grab that chewing gum. They want you to grab that breath mint. They want you to grab those lifesavers. They want you to grab that M&Ms. They're all right there by you. The Coca-Colas, everybody, everything's right there by you. And the devil's giving him impulse. He's working on his impulses. Hey, you're hungry. You've been famished for 40 days hey make this bread make these stones bread but search your scriptures and you'll never find search the scriptures you'll never find that Jesus did a selfish miracle he didn't, he didn't do this for his own sake he didn't, he didn't do this for his own uh, you know look at verse 4 but Jesus answered him saying it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, Jesus here, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 and and verse 3. Israel had sinned by doubting God, but Jesus avoids the sin. And he, you know, and pay close attention uh, to the quote, every word of God. 
That's going to come into play. It's going to come into the play to the habit that Jesus has formed and the habit that we can form to make us stronger as well, okay? Look at verses 5 and 6. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, just because you're in the holy city, like Jesus was here, just because you're in the, on the high mountain looking out over everything, it does not mean you can't be tempted. Whether you're in the holy city, you're in the church, you're out in the wilderness, you know, a lot of times in the church it may be our toughest test. Notice verse 6. Notice verse 6 of this. All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. That, that, that if again, that if again, if you will worship me, if you will worship me, the if again is attacking the faith of Jesus. A godly life, rests on faith without faith Hebrews 11 verse 6 it's impossible to please God but look at verses 7 and 8 therefore the devil says if you will worship me if you will worship me all will be yours and Jesus answered and said to him get thee behind me Satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you shall serve Again, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. You know, Deuteronomy really didn't hold any fascination to me until I, I learned what it was about. Uh, it, it is very fascinating if you understand uh, the, the context and the, and the makeup of Deuteronomy. Uh, during that time, if one, if one nation conquered another nation they had what was called a vassal treaty. Uh, if, if, uh, if Willie uh, conquered me, if he was one nation and I was another nation, and he conquered me, I would be his vassal. I would be his servant. And he would make a treaty with me. And basically what the treaty said was, okay, here's the history, here's how we got here, all right? And here's what you can expect if you do what I tell you to do. And here's what you can expect if you don't do what I tell you to do, okay? And that's exactly how Deuteronomy is set up. It's set up just like the, the, the vassal treaties, the Hittite vassal treaties. And, and God is telling the people here in, in, in Deuteronomy, he's telling them, I'm your God, I'm your king now. I was the one that got you out of Israel. I was the one that beat the, I mean, I got, got, you, got you out of Egypt. I was the one that beat the Egyptians. It's because of me that you're free now. I'm your God, you're my slave, and you're going to do what I say. Here's how we got here, and if you do right you can expect these blessings. But if you don't do right, look at the Deuteronomy. If you don't do right, look at the woes. Look at all the bad things that were going to happen to the people if they didn't do right. And Jesus is is pointing that out, I believe, in using Deuteronomy that he had the faith to do right. Jesus had the faith to do right. The devil's head, though, 
is full of Scripture, isn't it? He's quoting Scripture too. But his heart's not there. You know, I think that's the way a lot of people are too. Their head or heads are full of Scripture. I know folks that have a lot of Scripture in their minds, but their hearts are not in it. Their hearts aren't in Christianity. And, uh, they know a lot, but their hearts aren't there. <clears throat> we got to have the heart of a leader too, don't we? Look at verses 9 through 11 here. <clears throat> then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Again, curiosity. And, and this is the point that I wanted to make about, you know, Jesus is here in the, in the holy city. We can be in the church and be tempted as well. Just because you're in the, the holy city doesn't mean that you, you can't be tempted. But Jesus keeps the end in sight here, doesn't he? He keeps the end in sight. Look at verses 12 through 13. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus keeps the end in sight. And all three of these quotes that Jesus talks about, they're from Deuteronomy. And notice that Jesus is quick to get rid of the temptation. He's, get thee behind me. Let's get on out of here now. This, this is enough. He's quick to get rid of the temptation. Temptations, temptations are battles, if you, if you can think of them that way. Okay? Temptations are battles that when we win the temptation, when we win that battle, we're stronger for winning it. But guess what? If the devil wins that temptation in our lives, he's stronger. He's stronger. So we've got to make sure that we win those battles, those little battles, those little things that we may not think are, are so very much. Hey, they're a big deal because the devil's getting stronger and we're getting weaker if we're allowing those temptations to better us. Okay, We've got to, we've got to beat those temptations. Jesus was quick to get rid of them. We can never let our guard down, as we've seen, because Satan is just waiting for an opportune time. And Jesus didn't go looking for trouble. As we see here, he didn't go looking for trouble, but he, he was ready. He was ready. Now, how was he ready? That's, how, that's what I want to show you now. I want to show you the habit that he had formulated so that he could be ready and so that we, we can be ready as well. Look at verse 14 through 21 here. And Jesus, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Did you notice the habit of Jesus? Did you notice his habit? You know, when um, the teachers for uh, Horizons were told they were going to teach, all they were given was a verse. That's all they were given. They weren't given material to go by. They were just given a verse. And, And this was the verse for habits of a leader that was given to the teacher of that class. I didn't teach that class. I taught hands of a leader is what I taught. But so all I had to go by was this. And it took me forever to see it. It took me forever to see why is this passage, why did these guys who are a lot wiser and smarter than me, I mean, there was a committee of guys, preachers that came up with these topics, you know. What did they see about this that showed a habit? It took me a while. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen the habit that Jesus formulated here in Luke chapter 4? His usual manner. Notice it. Remember, remember the definition of a habit? His usual manner involuntarily acquired by frequent repetition. Jesus went to worship. He participated in worship. He knew where to find the answers and he knew where his faith came from. Do you know? Do you see that? Do you see where Jesus' faith came from? Hey, I told you to remember, told you to remember, it came from God's word. Jesus had a habit of getting into the word of God, of being at worship. He made sure that the habit of faithfulness was being grown in his life. That's the habit that I want us to acquire this evening. Develop the habit of faithfulness. And to do that, we've got to exercise our faith. We've got to exercise our faith. I know there, I know there are a lot of you here who do a lot of exercise. I know I need to get back into it too. But there are a lot of you who go and you lift weights. And, and uh, there are a lot of you that, that do push-ups and pull-ups and go run and go walk. And hey, we exercise our bodies, and that's, that's good. We should take care of our bodies. I'm not saying that, but we've got, to, we've got to exercise our faith too. And I want to talk about exercising our faith. From the example of Jesus, the great habit that we can form is faithfulness. It's the, it's the habit of a leader. If we're going to be leaders in this congregation, if we're going to be leaders in our home, in our families, at work, at school, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. It helps to form stronger habits. When we're faithful and we have faith in our lives, it helps us to to form even stronger habits. Like strong body, strong faith is developed by exercise. And Jesus uh, stayed faithful. Here is how to exercise your faith. This This is what I want you to look at with me. Here's how to exercise your faith and develop good habits in your Christian life, okay? Uh, Jesus stayed faithful and, and we can too and we can get stronger and stay strong. First, I want you to turn, if you will, uh, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We've got to add, we've got to add in, in, our, in our Christian life to, to develop our faith, to develop uh, our faith and, and develop good habits, we've got to add. And here's what I mean. 2 Peter chapter 1 Beginning with verse 5, to exercise our faith, we've got to add. Um, 
just like lifting weights. You know, uh, a lot of you guys and girls, you've lifted weights before, you know. And if you're lifting, if you're lifting, you know, 40 pounds, if you're benching 40 pounds and that gets too light for you, what do you do? Well, you add some more weight on the end, don't you? And so you get bigger, don't you? And then you, when that gets too easy for you, you add some more weight. And, and you, you, you end up doing those, those reps, don't you? Uh, and it's the same way here. We've got to add to our faith. What does it say? For this, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, virtue knowledge. To your knowledge, self-control. To your self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, but even more diligent, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do these things, if you keep adding to your faith, if you do these things, you'll get a big entrance into heaven. You'll make your big entrance into heaven. Now, here are three. If you Turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Here are three quickly stated but powerful exercises in faith. You've seen those uh, early morning, early morning advertisement, five-minute abs, you know? Well, here, here, here's a quick exercise of faith that you can do, that every one of us can do. We can, we can incorporate this into our lives, and we can be more faithful. We can develop good habits as, as Christians. It says in verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that we give thanks, uh, the, that the faithful pray, and we pray fervently to God, and that we, we rejoice. Three quick ways that we can develop good habits and develop our faith in, in our lives. We demonstrate our faithfulness as, as we worship by attending, don't we? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. We don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, do we? That's not what we're supposed to do. We, we demonstrate our faithfulness by, by righteous living. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start back uh, in verse 23 even. We're going back just a little bit further. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, we can't waver from this, all right? What he's about to tell us, this confession of our hope, we can't waver from this. This is a good habit to develop, okay? It's a good way to remain faithful. We can't waver from this. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We exercise our faith in attendance. That's what Jesus did. It was his habit. It was what he did. When he went home, he went to the synagogue. He read from the scriptures. We also... We also exercise our faith in attendance, but also in studying the Bible. Turn to, uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 
Now, Brother James and I were talking about this. We were talking about the different versions and the, and the way they read. And when I was younger, I memorized a lot of stuff from the King James Version. So a lot of times you'll hear me throw a thee or a thus in, even though I'm reading from the New, new King James Version. And if you asked, asked, asked me to quote uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, I'm going to start out with study. That's what I'm going to start out with. But look what it says. Look what it says. Then I'm reading from the, from the New King James Version. It says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The diligent are full of faith. The diligent are going to study. The diligent are going to study. and They're going to demonstrate their, their faithfulness by diligent study. That's how we, that's how we develop our faith. That's the only way that I know of. Look over at look over at Romans chapter ten verse seventeen. We've got to listen to develop our faith and, and develop good habits. We've got to listen. Romans chapter ten verse seventeen. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you, you notice, notice back in our passage in Luke chapter four, Jesus quoted scripture. He read scripture. He applied scripture. To his life and the life of others. He applied it to the devil when he was tempting him. He applied it to his situation. Jesus was faithful and his faith was strong. Even during the temptation. Even during a, a wilderness showdown with the devil. Jesus was strong in his faith. It was his habit but remember, James chapter 2, verse 17, faith without works is dead, isn't it? Faith without works is dead. So is, so is our habit of faith. If, if we don't have works, we, you know, it's dead also. It, it's not going to be very strong if we don't have works to back it up. Uh, our faith, as our faith increase, increases, so should our work. Look over at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. We, we demonstrate our faithfulness to God's family by abounding in the work, the kingdom work, okay? Look at verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hey, just like we've been saying all these, these whole uh, four series of lessons, we've got to be a leader, don't we? We've got to be about the work of benevolence. We've got to be about the work of doing good. We've got to be about the work of, of edification. We've got to build each other up. We, we've got to do that. We've got to be about evangelism, telling others the, goth, telling others the gospel. You know, make these works, make these, make these works habits in your life. If your habits are right, if your habits are right, if your head is right, if your heart is right, well, your hands, they'll do right. They'll do good. Maybe you want to be faithful, but your head's not right. Maybe you want to be faithful, but your your heart's not right. Maybe you want to be faithful, but... You have bad habits. And you want to get rid of those habits. What can we do? What can we do? 
Well, we can ignore it, can't we? We could be like my friend who had the push-button Valiant car. I've told you about him before. He had that push-button Valiant car. And every time the car made a new noise, he would turn the radio up a little louder. So he wouldn't have to hear the noise. Right? He had problems. He had car problems. But the more he turned the radio up, the more he didn't hear them. So he didn't really have a problem. We can ignore the problems. Maybe they'll go away. Maybe they won't. I don't know. More than likely, they won't. We can run. We can run from them. Hey, problems and things in life are scary. The world holds scary things for us. And there's a lot of times you want to run. We can also, we can also grow a backbone and we can confront those problems and we can overcome them. And not only will we be the better for it, God will be glorified. Let's develop that habit. Let's develop the habit of of confronting and and overcoming. Let's develop the hands of a leader. Let's develop the the head of a leader. Let's think like a leader. Let's let's develop the heart of a leader and and do things like a leader will and, and feel like a leader should. And let's develop the habits of a leader. Let's do good. Let's love each other. Hey, God loves you. He wants you to be a Christian. And I know we've prayed for you already a couple of times this evening, but if you're not a Christian, uh, we want you to be. We're here for you. We want you to develop these habits and be a leader as well. Hey, if you're having trouble in your life, we want to be there for you too. We want to help you. We want to bear your burdens as we talked about this morning. We want to help you through this, this crisis that you're in. We want you to come forward and ask for prayers. Hey, if you're going through something and nobody knows about it, But you, pray to God tonight. Ask Him to forgive you. Truly repent of that. Hey, if you're a Christian, God is faithful. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sins. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. He's faithful. He will. But you've got to ask Him and you've got to repent. You've got to be serious. Hey, let's start developing good habits as Christians. Hey, by becoming a Christian, that's the best habit that you can do tonight. That's the best habit you could start tonight. Make it an everyday thing for you right now as together we stand and sing.